Hey, what's going on, day travelers? I'm Jason, and I'm here interviewing park rangers and outdoor enthusiasts just like you, getting their story and tips so you can be ready for your next adventure. I'm here with Thomas Vandenberg. He is the chief of interpretation at Big Bend National Park. We're gonna deep dive into everything you need to know before venturing out there. Yeah, and I guess I would say, you know, another another trail, if you don't have like all day to go to Emory Peak or a time to spend two days or whatever to get out to the South Rim to get those big views, there's a nice compromise trail. It's called the Lost Mine Trail, and that trail starts at the highest point of the road in the park. So it starts at almost 6,000 feet, and it takes you to the top of a high ridge. It's two and a half miles each way. It's a really well-maintained trail. And it gives you that same sense, the same feeling of what it would be like if you were to spend all day hiking to some of these even better destinations. But it's uh, really one of our most popular trails for good reason, because you can do it in like a half day. Yeah, no, totally. It's it's gorgeous. I can just talk about that topic all day. <laughs> but um, so you did mention about uh, bear boxes. So um, I did encounter a bear family before. Tell uh, luckily I was in my car <laughs> so tell the audience what to do if they encounter any kind of wildlife because I know you guys also have like mountain lions and depending on the type of year there's tarantula mating season and there might be some rattlesnakes so there's always some crazy wildlife highlight to experience while you're here so um, black bears are one that if you were to come in the summer months not so much in the middle of the winter time, but late spring, summer into the fall, you have a really good chance of seeing a black bear. There's about 25 to 35 of them in the national park, and mostly they're in the Chisos Mountains. They like the trees, they like the vegetation, like the acorns that they find in the Chisos Mountains. And uh, you're you're very liable to come across a bear on any of the trails up there in the Chisos Mountains. And uh, one thing about the the park is we, you know. Uh, I guess going back a step is that they are really one of the big success stories of the park is the black bears. When the park was established in 1944, there were no black bears here at the time that all been hunted out. But by protecting the park and taking care of the habitat um, and caring for this place, you know, we, we protect that habitat. And in the late 1980s, black bears just started showing up and they were coming actually from Mexico uh, from high mountains in southern in Mexico, came across the river and set up housekeeping in the Chisos Mountains, and uh, we're very excited about it. And so we had this national park here for many years before the bears came. Hey, I'm glad you're enjoying this episode so far. Please give us a like, download, or review on any platform that you're listening on. This will help the podcast grow, and it will help us reach our first goal of 100 downloads. So we kind of had this opportunity to learn from all the other national parks that have still having problems with bears. So the minute bears started showing up here, we immediately put in those bear-proof food lockers, started this big education campaign to let people know how to be safe and store your food properly. And so when you see a bear here in Big Bend, it's really not anything to be real concerned with. The bears are very um, content, kind of feeding on their own foods and doing their own thing. And they 
rarely even pay you much of uh, give you much of a second glance. They're kind of doing their own thing, so it's really cool to see them. You know, if one were to be coming down the trail towards you, and they often do use the trails. You know, we ask people to get off the trail, kind of let them come on by. If one seems like it's really interested specifically in you for some reason, you know, you want to stand together as a group, you know, wave your arms, make noise. You want to be the aggressor. You don't want to run or things like that from a bear. You always want to kind of stand together and hold your ground. And then the same thing with mountain lions. The park does have a healthy mountain lion population. Again, probably about 25 mountain lions. And they're not seen as regularly as black bears, but they're definitely out there. And um, you, if you do see a mountain lion, we, again, recommend that you stand together, you know, wave your arms, hold your packs up, look big, you know, throw sticks and stones toward it to kind of chase it off, and you should be fine. Uh, you know, other wildlife species that people see and enjoy here are uh, javelina, which are pretty neat, not something that you see in many other parts of the country. They're, they look like a pig, but they're really not. <laughs> oh. <laughs> kind of a whole unique species uh, at home here in the Chihuahuan Desert. Um, lots of skunks. Um, there's more, uh, in particular, I mean, there are more bird species, bats, butterflies, scorpions, ants, reptiles and cactus here than any other national park. It's really diverse. And a lot of these species are found uh, literally nowhere else in the entire United States. Um, so there's always something cool um, to look for. No, like every single time I go back there, I feel like I've encountered like a completely different animal species. Well, like you, you talked about the tarantulas, you know, um, yeah, in the, in the late summer, the tarantulas are out and they're roaming around and people see them crossing the roads all over the place. They're, it's basically the male tarantulas out roaming around looking for girlfriends that time of the year. <laughs> and then if you were to come this time of the year in the middle of the summer, after we've had a rain, there are millipedes everywhere. And these are, you know, about nine inch long millipedes crossing the roads everywhere you see them. And if you were to come other times of the year, there's the giant lubber grasshoppers that are all over the place crossing the roads. Um, so there's always something, something different that makes it fun and exciting. Right. And I think, um, I think it came like late spring or, or middle spring. Uh, I was doing the, 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 the lost mine trail. This is my first time doing it. I did it early in the morning just to see the sunrise. And I think I've, um, at the corner of my eyes, it, it looked like a mountain lions because it had the colors of the mountain lions, but they weren't. And they were like, there's three of them. It was like the long horn, either I think sheep or goat. The long horn. It was like the long oh, horn. Like a, like a big horn sheep or something. Big horn. Yes. Yes. We do have a few are. of those in the park. There's big horn desert big horns in the park. Um, those are pretty rarely seen. So that was a good sighting. Yeah. No, I had I caught it on video. Hey, I hope you're enjoying our show so far. And if you do, please consider joining our Patreon page at patreon.com slash days travel, where your contribution will help us with our research and put out more content. Plus, you'll be giving back to Mother Nature. It's a win for everyone. Enjoy the rest of the podcast brought to you by my contributing Patreons. Cool. We also have a um, another type of big uh, ungulate like that. There's a 
It's called an Audad or Barbary sheep, and that's cuts an exotic species that originally is from Africa, and they were brought here to West Texas for on like big ranches and game farms, and they've sort of become loose and kind of naturalized all through West Texas because they love it here. It's perfect for them, and we see those here as well. Um, but they're both pretty exciting to see. And we also have deer here. People are often really surprised that there are deer here, but we actually, in the desert regions of the park, we have huge mule deer. Um, and it's interesting because you won't see them much during the day, but if you were to drive the park roads at sunrise or sunset or, you know, in the dark, it seems like they're everywhere. <laughs> yes, yes. Be careful when you're driving. We have a little uh, little species of deer in the Chisos Mountains. They're very small. I mean, not much larger than like a German Shepherd, really. And that's a little uh, specialty species here. It's a Carmen Mountain white-tailed deer. And they're really not found in many other places in the United States than the Chisos Mountains. That's amazing. I, I just love Big Ben because of all the diversity. It's like you really don't understand how beautiful this thing is until you really get out there. But... You have also you guys are really well known for this last topic too. So I have a lot of photographer friends. And they always try to make a trip once a year to do the Milky Way shooting. You guys have one of the darkest skies in the United States, I believe, right? Yeah, one of the best shows in the park is at night for sure. Any time of the year, but there are certain times of the year when it's just even, even more amazing. Um, but if you're any 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 time of the year, if you're here at Big Bend, I mean, even on a full moon, you'll still see lots of stars and the, the brightness of the moon and the desert. I mean, it's incredible. You could just read a book out here. But if you're here at a new moon or a very small moon, the sky just really comes alive. It is truly unbelievable. Many many visitors here actually see the Milky Way for the first time in their lives on a trip to Big Bend, and so the number of stars you can see are just uncountable. Um, also, I mean, the satellites and things you can see at night are also pretty remarkable. And it is one of the darkest skies in the United States, certainly the darkest in the lower 48 states, just because there's no development. It's very dry air. It's very low humidity. I mean, there, there aren't even airplanes here. And that's something that people may not have ever really experienced, is being in a place where there are no airplanes above you. Uh, oh, wow. You could be here... Yeah, you could be here for weeks and never see an airplane. Um, there are no contrails in the sky. There's no planes flying over at night. Uh, it's just satellites. Yeah, we're way off of the uh, flight paths because we're we duck way down into Mexico. Yeah, that's that's pretty amazing. And a lot of the funny thing is, a lot of people when they actually see the Milky Way for the first time, that doesn't matter where they are to see this Milky Way. They always think it's like, what's that lump of clouds up there that's made out of stars? I'm like, that's the Milky Way, you know. <laughs> but like at Big Ben, you see, you see it really like very prominent. Like you're, as soon as 9 p.m. sometimes when when it hits, depending on the time of year, it's like it's really it's really up there. So, um, yeah, a lot of people like to kind of orient themselves um, time and place so they can get these spectacular photographs with the Milky Way with some Big Bend feature in the foreground. So like the balanced rock area or Casa Grande, the big giant peak in the basin, or the, the Muleer peaks out in the low desert. And a lot of times people will time it perfectly so they know right when to be there when the Milky Way is, you know, perfectly vertical. 
and things like that. And so people take incredible photos here. Yeah, they do. I mean, like the entire park is amazing. So you can get incredible uh, photos anywhere you stand. Really, it's that gorgeous. But um, I just want to say thank you for your time and thank you for talking about Big Bend National Park. Um, this is like, yeah, no. Um, so this part right here is a little plug for you guys. If you have any upcoming events or any programs you want to like talk about, go for it. Well, I would just say, first of all, that, um, you know, we do have a, a wide range of interpretive activities throughout the year. So if people want to learn more about the birds or the geology, uh, the the fossils that the park is famous for, or even a night sky program. We have, you know, a full schedule of those programs throughout the year with a bunch of really talented folks that, that love the place, that live here and love to share it with people. So we have a schedule we update every week, and so that would definitely be worth looking into as you're coming out here. We have some nice visitor centers um, with a lot of great information and a great uh, cooperating association that has some fantastic books and materials to to make your trip um, even better. And I would say, you know, for someone coming here, not really knowing what to expect would be, you know, give it some time. Um, you can't see all of the park in one day. A lot of people try, and uh, no one's been successful so far that I know of. It's a big place, and uh, you're going to have to come back time and again. And... Uh, uh, maybe warn people that you know it will become their favorite national park. One of my friend, he has a, I think well, I'm not sure if he bought that third party book outside or with your park, but he has all the trails that he wants to do within the park, and he's only checked out half of it. It's that is and it's a long list, so it's it's crazy. You know, and then once once you've hiked all the trails in the park, which could take you years. You know, I I live in the park and I haven't hiked all the trails yet. And I've oh, really? tried to try the best I can. No, there's just so many. I will say that once once you've actually hiked all the trails, um, that's just the beginning. Because um, what I've found is some of the most amazing parts of the park are not even on a the trail. They're just out oh, there. Really? You do, there's uh, this whole opportunities for discovery and to seek out things and find new things and that's one of the great aspects of this park is, you know, it's set up with some really great roads and some great established trails and some scenic overlooks, and those will give you a feel for the place and help you fall in love with it. But once beyond that, there's even more to discover, and it just gets uh, more and more amazing the more time you spend. And anywhere you go, whatever direction is going to be um, rewarding and memorable. Right. It's just like you said, we can talk about this part all day because I keep going back for some reason. And I wasn't I like every single time I go back, I tell them, hey, this is going to be my last time. But every year, two, one or two times. Um, but <laughs> so th again, thank you, Thomas, for being on this, uh, this podcast episode. Um, if you want to look up more on the park, you can just go to the I think the MPS.com site. Uh, do you guys have a separate site for Big Ben, or is there... Yeah, you can just go to the Park Service uh, official Big Ben website. As, uh, you can access it through the Park Service nps.gov, um, or nps.gov slash bibe is the park website. So lots of good trip planning information uh, on there.
Just want to give Thomas a thank you for joining us on this episode. You'll be on the next episode, so look out for that. If you want to hear a certain park or outdoor adventure, please go to www.daystravel.com. Go to the podcast page, scroll all the way down, and email me. And I also want to give a shout out to all my Patreon contributors because this episode wouldn't be possible without you guys. I'm Jason, and I'll talk to you next time.